0: So um, the title of this talk today has a title. It's called The More We Practice Loving Awareness, The More We Realize We Are Loving Awareness. The More We Practice Clinging, The More We Suffer. (laughs) Good title. It's kind of long, a little wordy. Um, So I wanted to start out with a couple of stories. One will be a teaching story that perhaps you've heard before. And then another one is a story from my own life that I don't think I've ever told publicly, but is quite transformative um, for me. And the first one comes from um, the Buddhist tradition. And it's about a man who's got a family and some land and um, he's just living life. And he's got one horse. And the horse, runs away and the neighbor comes over, you know, those neighbors, I totally have those neighbors who like lean over the fence and comment about what's going on. Um, leans over the fence and says, Oh, that's awful. He only had one horse. And the owner of the horse says, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. And then the next day, the horse comes back and in its journey it had attracted a wild horse and brought that wild horse back home. And so now, right, this family had two horses. And the neighbor leans over the fence and says, oh, what kismet? What, that's so wonderful. Um, I'm sure that's exactly what the neighbor said. <laughs> I can't believe this. Now you have two horses. That's so magical. I just, whoa, amazing. And... The owner of now the two horses says, well, maybe, you know, maybe that's so I don't know. We'll see. And the next day, the son, one of the sons is riding the wild horse and falls and breaks his leg. And again, the neighbor (laughs) leans over the fence and says, we all know this person. Maybe you are that person and says, oh, that's awful. Too bad about that, your son's leg, and I hope he heals. But man, whew, that wild horse didn't end up being a gift, did it? And again, the man says, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. And the next day, a war had started. A lot happens in this neighborhood. A war had started, and the army came by to collect all the young men to inscript them into service, right? It was a draft. But the son was spared because his leg was broken, right? And the neighbor's like, again, I can't believe this, so magical. And the man says, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. And so it goes, right? And so it goes. There's the expansion and there's the contraction. There's the expansion and there's the contraction. And we go in and out of it so many times that eventually we come to a place of trust and faith. That's the idea. That's the idea behind that story. And there's a funny thing um, that I do, which I think this story illustrates so perfectly. Where there's this characters in my mind. Um, it's fun when we can really like create in our minds these sort of caricatures of the conversation that's happening because it helps us to relate a little bit more easily to them especially when they're the ones that are tough on us and there's a character in my mind who I call the scorekeeper who's very much like that neighbor on the fence who wants to um, clarify immediately whether something is good or bad and wants to put it into the bi- binary because when we're in the binary, we feel much more comfortable. It's like, oh, I can put this in the box of good over here and then I can put this in the box of bad over here, right? And um, she's basically like keeping score of my entire life, right, I would say just my spiritual life, but my life is inherently spiritual as is yours and so it's really my whole life. Um, and it's not so much anymore as I've noticed her And can sort of sweep her under my wing and say, baby, I see that you're very scared, scorekeeper Audra, but I've got you. I've got you. But she's still lurking around. And she's, this is my image of hers, that she's in the bleachers, right? And for some reason, I imagine the bleachers of the old crappy gym at the high school that I went to. And she's got this kind of cartoon face and she's got her scorebook and she's watching the game, right? Which is my life. And she's keeping track, like who's winning, who's losing, who's the MVP, who's sitting on the bench and who's got to get kicked out of the gym. And she's vigilant and she's funky because she's sort of this like um, algorithm (laughs) of both my immigrant father who wanted me to do the very, very best that I possibly could. Right. He had a sixth grade education when he moved to this country Um, and still, still does. <laughs> um, and the Catholic church and my, my like religious upbringing, she's this funny, like, um, meshment of the two of them seeking perfection and striving and really like being the best and, um, success in this country and all of that. And then also that weird, um, religious idea that somehow perfectionism is going to be uh, religious salvation, right? That that's what being good means. Um, and she's this like relic of these processes, which exist in this system. And then also in my father and my family. Um, and she's exhausting dude. When she shows up to play this part, she's freaking exhausting. Like scorekeeping is so tiring, right? That leaning over the fence, and making the comment is tiring. Um, and she wears really the the hat of good and bad, and of what needs more effort and more striving, and forgiveness, and then forgiving harder. <laughs> and what I notice is that all of this keeps me from presence, right? All of this categorizing, making boxes, even if they're pretty and wrapped like presents, it keeps me <laughs> presence not presence, uh, it keeps me from presence, um, from being with, right? From being able to say yes, as we did in the brief meditation earlier, to whatever is arising, and understanding that the two can coexist, right? In the same way as that story. The horse, um, the wild horse ends up breaking the son's leg, and the son's leg at this simultaneously saves him from having to fight a war, right? So that everything's co- coexisting and there's an enmeshment there. Um, Anne Lamont writes, my mind is like a bad neighborhood. I try not to go there alone. (laughs) My mind is like a bad neighborhood. I try not to go there alone. And so that's where the teachings come in is the and the Sangha, like we were talking about in the beginning in the chat, we have this like beautiful opportunity to be in it together, to ask questions, to know that we're not alone, to normalize it. And I tell all of you this story about the scorekeeper who lives in my brain up in the bleachers because I'm sure that you have one too. It's sometimes it's called the inner critic. Although lately I have, um, I don't like that languaging for some reason. I feel like whatever caricature works for you for that person who's always keeping track up there, right? Um, So there was this funny situation Some years ago in the early 2000s um, where these really serious community of people were uh, creating these sweat lodges up at the base of Mount Hood. And me and my best friend went because we're the kind of people who say yes to that kind of thing. We got an invite um, from someone who used to come into the restaurant where I was working and both of us were working there. And we were like, yes, oh, my gosh, we want to go, which says something in and of itself right? This longing to experience something that is sort of on the outer edges of consciousness, this longing for more, right? Um, This saying yes to a particular kind of invite, which I just think that there's like a beautiful, we were so young, we didn't know what we were doing, but there was this like, inclination this is my best friend who's the buddhist chaplain of us wanting to experience something that was going to push our consciousness outside of what is we normally experience right um and so we go and as run by first nations people but once a month they allowed other folks to come in and um it's just sort of like outreach to the broader circle and my friend and i went and the requirement was that you arrive hours and hours early because you had to help build the fire that was going to heat the stones that would eventually be used in the sweat. And so we go um, hours and hours earlier. And then the other requirement was that because this particular community sweat was um, co-ed, that you had to be covered. So from wrist and neck all the way down to ankle, right? So your hands and your feet were exposed and your face was exposed, but that was it. The rest of you had to be covered. Those those were the rules. Um, and you also had to bring a change of clothes and then we had a potluck afterwards, which was wonderful. And the team, so we arrived and everyone's like a little bit nervous because most of us coming to this community, Sweat had not done it before, right? And um, we're stepping into experience that, really to this day, when I was writing about it last night, um, like the dad from Footloose, it is one of the most transformative experiences of my life for multiple reasons, which you'll see, this is a very layered teaching story. Um, And it was also like, we're nervous because for many of us, it was like completely new. I wasn't in a place where I had the spiritual knowledge or the lived experience that I do now so it was sort of like what am I getting into you know what did I say yes to which I think we can all relate to um so when the time goes we there's this ritual as you go in to the it's like um skins over these willow branches and we all go in and we're all covered and um you can't take anything off and it's gonna be intense right (laughs) And the invitation is to stay, to stay in the, in the sweat, ultimately. And if we did have to leave, then of course you can leave. Um, but then you can't come back in. Those are kind of like the guidelines. And so to stay clothed, don't leave. And unless you absolutely need to. And so of course in my like scorekeeper's driver mind, I'm like, I am staying right. Right. <laughs> like, I'm going to be the best sweater of, of ever, you know, like, mm, mm, I'm my father's daughter. It's going to happen. And the heat is like freaking unbearable friends. I've done a lot of this kind of stuff and it is to this day, the hottest ceremony, ritual sweat that I've ever been to. It was insane. And there was singing, which I didn't know that there was going to be, um, and there was drumming, thank God, because all of us, we didn't know what the words were, but all of us clung, right, to that vibrational quality of the song that was happening, and started singing it as best we could, because it was like the thread, the lifeline that we held on to was this vibration, and then the door is open four times um, for a little air to come in, but more stones are (laughs) are put in, Um, and it's dark in there like a womb and so I think after the second door opening it was discovered that one of the other people who had come in had taken his clothes off and stripped down to his tidy whities and of course this was against the rules and it's funny because the first one like it was like one of the first yoga classes that I ever taught this very thing happened where Um, one of the participants, it was like a free community yoga class stripped down to his tidy (laughs) whiteys. And I remember feeling, I had no idea what to say, friends. I like, didn't deal with it all. I just like ignored it because I was so like new being in front of people. Now I would be like, put your pants back on, you know? Um, which is exactly what happened is that this person, because he had disobeyed the rules was asked to leave. So he leaves. The rest of us finish the sweat, and we come out afterwards. And it's we shower, we put on our change of clothes, and it's like coming out literally like a rebirth experience, you know. Um, it it was um, it was like withstand being able to withstand and find spaciousness and strength in this like clothes hot space. Are you getting the metaphor, right? And then you emerge and there's this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe I did that. I can't even believe that I was able to withstand that. And it's this reminder when I think about it now, um, it's this reminder that there is vast expansive space and silence available to us anywhere, wherever we are, we can take a deep breath. Right, like we did in the beginning. Wherever we are, we can feel our body. Wherever we are, we can open our senses and step outside of the like smallness that can happen, of that scorekeeping self that can happen. The endless stories of the mind, we get the opportunity to pause. Um, so we come out and It's like we've been through this hero's journey. We've all been through something together, kind of like one of those hot yoga classes where you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe we did that. Um, And lo and behold, guess who set the potluck? The man who had taken his clothes off, right? The tidy whitey man. And inside of me, I could not believe it. Like that he, um, I was young, so you have to remember that, but I could not believe that he wouldn't be asked to leave the whole thing. You know, that there wasn't some sort of further punishment, right? And at the potluck, part of it was is that we got to share our own stories and like what happened to us and we all talked about how the singing was like a lifeline. And also he got to share his story, right? Of him reaching the limit and making the wrong choice. And um. Having been raised in sort of a more punitive atmosphere, I remember being fully shocked, almost as much as the shock of the heat, right? Um, But being fully shocked that there was room and space for this person's story too, right? That there wasn't that um, acting and being in the binary, that there was no scorekeeper, that there was no clinging to good and bad that there was room for everyone's story, even if it went bad, you know, in the the sweat. Um, And that he was held accountable, but he wasn't pushed away. And mm, this Catholic daughter of an immigrant was totally fascinated by this. And it ended up being uh, more, almost as um, transformative witnessing this like calling in of the person right, um, who had to be held accountable rather than the pushing away. And um, you can see, I think you all can see what I'm saying. And there's lots of hmm, parts of this story that maybe have resonated with you as I've been speaking today. And also the story that I told in the beginning, right? Um, there's the, that longing that we have, that desire that we have that pushes us toward expanding our experiences, toward expanding our consciousness. Um, and then there's the, the withstanding the heat, the room for making mistakes and still being called back in, the accountability piece, right? Um, and there's probably some piece of you that was also stirred by the idea that vibration can be a lifeline, that the singing can be a lifeline. So there's lots here. And I think that the interesting question is to notice what resonated in your body today. And I'm tempted to wrap it up in a neat bow. But I think going back to what we started with, which is um, we go in and out, right? We go in and out so many times in our lives where we make mistakes or there's tightness in our body or pain and suffering. And then there's the spaciousness, right, of the man who owned the horses who's like, maybe, we'll see. And in the going in and out, enough times we begin to notice that we have a deeper trust and a deeper faith, right, in the loving awareness that is available to us in any moment, even in the tight constricted places, even in the hot places. Um, And so I'm going to end on a poem because I think that sometimes poetry can describe the things that we are difficult for us to say in other ways. (laughs) And this is a beautiful one. It's Rumi called The Wax. And Rumi writes, when I see you and how you are, I close my eyes to the other. For your Solomon's seal, I become wax throughout my body. I wait to be light. I give up opinions on all matters. I become the reed flute for your breath. You were inside my hand. I kept reaching around for something. I was inside your hand, but I kept asking questions of those who knew very little. I must have been incredibly simple or drunk or insane to sneak into my own house and steal money, to climb over my fence and take my own vegetables. But no more. I have gotten free of that ignorant fist that was pinching and twisting my secret self. The universe and the light of the stars come through me. I am the crescent moon put up over the gate to the festival. Mm, I'm going to read those last two lines, but no more. I have gotten free of that ignorant fist that was pinching and twisting my secret self, right? The scorekeeper, right? The young girl in me that was shocked that someone who had made a mistake would be welcomed back in. (laughs) Um, The neighbor leaning over the fence, right? That fist, that ignorant fist that pinches and twists our secret self. The universe and the light of the stars come through me. I am the crescent moon put up over the gate to the festival. Anytime we have the moon imagery, right? In a poem or um, I think in literature as well, that there is this acknowledgement that though we may only see the crescent that there is a wholeness that lurks behind it that is always there, right? Vastness, spaciousness. And the more we immerse ourselves in that knowledge, right, the freer we are, the more liberated we are to just be in the, huh? I don't know, maybe. Okay, my loves. I'm going to pop back in. If you have questions, please let me know.